Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and today, for the second time on the podcast, we are welcomed by one of the area's many uh, talented, extremely talented singer-songwriters. So I'm uh, pleased to welcome Todd Hazelrig to uh, to uh, the podcast. <laughs> Got to have the applause, you know. You're used to having an audience, right? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And I was. You know, I don't know a lot about you. And so that's why I'm so excited that you're here to where I can learn, finally learn about you. Awesome. And I know we've been Facebook friends, so we know little tidbits about each other mm. from... All the important so, stuff, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, from from social media. But um, but yeah, I was just anxious to learn where where does Todd Hazelrig come from? Where, sure. where, where did life begin for you, was it in Kankakee County or where was it somewhere else? Uh, no. So I'm actually not a Kankakee native. I came from Wilmington. Okay. And I lived there for about the first 19 years of my life. Okay. And, and my mom, uh, she got a new job in Kankakee. So my family moved when I was 19. I moved with my parents and then I just kind of went off and, and did my own thing after that. And uh, yeah, but you know, if people ask me where I'm from, I always say Kankakee, oh, you know, okay. and I feel like that's where my music was really born, you know, and I played in Wilmington. I was in bands growing up and, but I really feel like who I am as a musician now and like the, the package that I'm putting out as a musician now really was born in Kankakee, you know, Kankakee really helped shape that sound and, and shape, you know, my, my career as a musician. So what, what bands did you... <sighs> Because you're probably just a little older than I am, I think. Maybe like a year or two, not yeah. too much, yeah. What band, what what kind of bands did you play in in Wilmington? Uh, so like alternative rock. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were some of the names? Because I'm wondering if... Uh, there, so there was Absolute Zero. Okay. Uh, in Denial. And then my first one, my favorite was the Crop Dusters. The Crop Dusters. <laughs> <laughs> it started out, we were in fourth grade and it was just me and a drummer <laughs> And we played for the uh, St. Rose School ca uh, Talent Show. There you go. Yeah, we played a uh, wild thing and smoke on the water medley, <laughs> one string. I wouldn't expect anything less <laughs> right. from the crop dusters. <laughs> I feel like uh, smoke on the water goes really oh, well sure. with yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that whole name. But the reason I ask it because now the name is escaping me. When I played in a band called The Projection, there was a mm -hmm. band from Wilmington that we played with all the time. And from, you know, for, obviously in like the rock alternative. Sure. I probably realm. would have known them because we're about the same age. It was, tr I think the name Triumph was in their, or the word Triumph Possibly. was in their name. It's Does that so, ring a bell? Um, I mean, this is a long, this is a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, I mean, it's been like 17 years, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember all the faces and all the people, you know, because we would do like student coffee houses and things like that. Yeah. I played with different, different bands. But I can't remember what anybody was called at this point. I hope someone's listening to this and yeah. they're able to figure it out. Because like, you take call-ins? <laughs> I should, right? <laughs> if we were doing this live, we'd definitely do a call-in. Uh, actually, uh, uh, someone that listens to the podcast, her name is Sam. Mm -hmm. She might uh, have a recollection because I know she was in like the, the Kankakee rock and, and punk scene around the same time I was. But it was I could, I could swear it was Triumph and something. But anyway, I'm going to figure it out when... We're done with this podcast and it's not going to even matter. Yeah, text me because I want to know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there's a good chance you would probably mm -hmm. re maybe remember them too. Um, it's a small town. Yeah, you know, exactly. There's, there's only so many bads around. Especially if, you know, there's like... Uh, 
there's only a hand, there's only going to be a handful of rock bands mm-hmm. or, or country bands or, or whatever it is. But, um, so you moved here to, to Kankakee when you were out of high school? Out of high school. Out yeah, of fresh high school. out of high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what about Kankakee, like craft, is that kind of when you started to be more of a singer songwriter than being? Yeah, you know, so that, that really came more out of necessity, you know, because really when I started playing and when I moved here and was in bands around here, I was more of an electric guitar player. You know, I was I was more known as like a, a lead sl- lead player, you know, like one of the gunslingers, you know, that would come out and try to shred and, you know. So you did, so, mm-hmm. so what bands did you, were a part of them when you came to Kankakee oh, and so did the, the lead guitar work? The first one was called Symmetric Minds. Okay. And uh, we would go out, I would be about 19 or 20 and I would sneak into Brandon Casey's for the open mic to go play <laughs> with JD King and JD and the Fuzz and that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'd go out every Wednesday and we'd like promote it on MySpace. Like it was like our show, oh, you know, man. like we got a show tonight. It was really just like we were MySpace. D- doing a set at open mic. Does JD still do a open mic? Every, it used to be, I know he did one at Sammy's for mm-hmm. a long time too. And I forgot he used to do, well, that was, I guess, Brandon Casey's was probably before. Uh, not that I know of. Um, he did that for such for a so long, long yeah. time. Yeah. And really, I mean, that was really what got me in to it you know was was jd and like uh just their open mics are, are really what shaped me you know as a king key musician being able to get out and play you know and i remember um he actually let me take over one of his open mics then for you know it, it was at a was it called plush thing yeah, i was at plush okay which yeah. has been 360 right uh whatever mm-hmm. and uh, it's something else now. We were I was talking uh, uh, to someone about this at I think it was at Mantino Oktoberfest. We were trying to figure out all the mm-hmm. different names yeah. of that bar <laughs> in uh, Kankakee. Right, there's been a lot. They should have kept the Shady Lady. It was, was called the Shady Lady. It was called the Shady Lady, lady before my before my time. Yeah, I think that was the best name. Oh man, see when I was introduced to it as a kid or as a teenager, it was the whatever mm-hmm. at that time. So that was like the mid. Yeah, yeah. We used to do 2000s. open mic there too. Yeah, and then after that. I don't know if that's when it became plush. It was plush before whatever. It was plush yeah, before it was plush what? before whatever. Well, I think mm-hmm. the whatever name uh, actually came. And oh, went did, it, twice. did it come back? I think. Oh, so. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So they must have brought whatever back after plush. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe plush came after the first round of the whatever. And gotcha. Yeah. Then I think the whatever came back, and then. Yeah, at some point it became 360, yeah. <laughs> and then after 360, it's something else now, and I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, so so JD let you take over one of the yeah, open mics yeah, there you know? one time. And before that, is Brandon Casey's was just like a really real pinnacle back in the day, you know, because I was like 19. Like, I think they knew I was underage back then, but they never stopped me. They never served me. But they'd let me come in, you know, and we bring all our friends who are like 21 because we we're on that cusp, you know, we we're, yeah, the, you know, after, you know, between 18 and 21. Right. Yeah. So we had enough like young people that would would come in too that they lo- they loved it us coming out, you know, so they never really said anything. And I would play there for a long time. And uh, Symmetric Minds, you know, that, that was like the first band where it's like we just like would sit around talking about like we're going to make it, you know, <laughs> and uh so that was that was like a big a big one, you know. And eventually, all the members of it was really so we were a five piece band, and we let one member go, and then we changed our name to Sneaky Jean. Okay, and, yeah. And Sneaky I was wondering, Je- I was like, I knew you had an affiliation with Sneaky Jean, but I didn't know. Right, right. And Sneaky Jean was like the so Symmetric Vines was short lived. You know, it was important. You know, in in our development, but it was short lived. Sneaky Jean was what we did for most of it, and uh, we rented this little studio. It was that, you know, the triangle construction building, like off a of hobby. It's like right there on like Evergreen. And that's been a, a popular space for a lot of different yeah. bands to to have a practice space. We, in, I right? think it was, uh, do you remember the band Hotter Than June? Yes. We okay. took over their practice space. All okay. their gear was in it when we walked through to like look at it. Yes. I remember it was Hotter Than June. And I, I think my, my brother, he was in feature presentation. Yeah, yeah. And they, I think... Uh, went there once or twice to to practice too mm-hmm. and then yes yeah, so the list goes on i know so yep. many other bands kind of practiced there over yeah there. maybe they a, still do i don't know they probably do um but yeah we uh we we called it the jam 
That was the name. It was like, it was like a nightclub, you know, and we practiced seven days a week, you know, every single night, you know, we'd get wow. off when we were still had jobs before we went fully in it, <laughs> but, and had probably families or, yep. or, or maybe some, some people had families. On not them. yet. Not no, yet. Okay. Yeah. That all came much later, but, and this would have been in the, the 2000s. This would have the, been like, I think from 2007 to like 2013 okay. area. Okay. I, I was in my early twenties mm -hmm. at the time. But uh, we just, you know, we were there every night. We basically lived at that place. We had parties there and people would just come watch us jam, you know, and sometimes we'd show up and sometimes we'd practice. Sometimes we'd just hang out, but usually we'd end up with like a long, like two hour jam at 2 a.m. at the end of the night, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it was we learned a lot, you know, and we didn't have, you know, all the like technical musical prowess at the time, you know, we were all working on it, you know, and we were, we were, but really it was just kind of like throwing paint on the canvas and seeing what happens, you know, and, and just so much good music, probably a lot of bad music too <laughs> came out of it. Did you work uh, on a lot of originals? Yeah. Or was yeah, it? It was mostly originals. Because, you know, I was never, I know, I, I remember seeing the name Sneaky Jean mm -hmm. all over town at all the different, like, I guess, bars, mm -hmm. you know, I would see the name on the marquee, but I... I'm pretty sure I never actually saw Sneaky mm -hmm. Gene. I just saw the name everywhere. It was such a weird, uh, it was so weird because like we really weren't a bar band, you know, but it was mm -hmm. all the place, places to play. That was where you could play. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like the bars loved us and hated us because like all our fans would come out and get water. <laughs> <laughs> so like we'd have a packed dance floor but like nobody was like really spending a lot of money really no know? one yeah. was, was I mean, buying they, they were yeah yeah uh -huh. but you know for like the for the vast majority they weren't it, drinkers right right they're probably doing other things out in the parking <laughs> lot but they weren't they weren't big drinkers you know so yeah so it was kind of interesting but we really tried to do more like music festivals you know and for when we started of course we we're doing house parties and things like that but so in Sneaky Gene, then when it, when it came to like original music, did what did you guys release? What did you put out? As far as were there any albums or EPs or? Yeah, we had uh, one called Live from the Jam, and it was pretty much just um, uh, room mics, you know, and doing th like things like that. And then we had a couple. Um, we we just had like Pro Tools and just did our own recordings and stuff. So we had a couple other like little little EPs and things like that. Nothing. Uh, a lot of it I don't even have anymore. I need to get that. Yeah. Adam, our bass player, has like the whole archive on his computer. But for for a lot of part, you know, we were a live band. You know, we did. I I really wish we would have done more recording. But um, but we did a lot of gigging and a lot of playing at the time. So what happened then for Sneaky Gene to kind of disappear? Well, we were we were playing. I think we were together about five years. Um, and it's, it's just hard, you know, especially when you're all growing up together and we're in our early 20s. Uh, my first son was born, you know, towards the end of it. And it just uh, it just kind of started feeling like it was time to part ways for a while anyway. You know, and I ended up moving down to Charleston, you know, and I was down there for about six years. I just came back around town this year. Yeah, I remember we were when we had seen each other mm -hmm. at uh, Heroes Hogs and Hot Rods. Mm -hmm. We had kind of talked about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Eric Peterson for putting that on. Yeah. So was it? Were were you kind of? Would you play solo when you were in Sneaky Gene, or did that all come after Sneaky Gene had went to the back burner? Yeah. So what happened was, is I worked at Lowe's and I got fired. <laughs> what did you do? I just wasn't a very good employee at the time. But I would go. Did you I, work there with uh, John Gray? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, there? yep. Okay. Same. And then Adam, our our bass player, he's the cabinet manager there now. He's still okay. he never he didn't get fired. But <laughs> I remember I used to go and keep him. I was in my early twenties at this point too. Okay. You know what I mean? It was this was a long time ago. But yeah. I remember like going and like sneaking in the back and writing set lists, you know, and lyrics and things like that. Yeah. Just just in general you know, being a bad employee, <laughs> but which I would not do today, by the way, I was younger, but mm -hmm. anyway, so I got fired from Lowe's and I was like, oh man, like I need to pay rent, <laughs> you know? So I started, uh, doing a lot more acoustic stuff and with the acoustic, you don't have to split money. You can play restaurants, you can get a lot more gigs. So I started booking myself up, uh, before I knew it, I was playing every Friday and Saturday. I did that for years, you know, uh, plus a couple, you know, open mics throughout the week. You know, and I was really just like, 
doing it acoustic. You know, it's really hard to, to, to support yourself as a musician in a band, you know? So really it started becoming like the acoustic music was more like my career, you know, with some supplemental teaching or whatever here and there. And the electric just started becoming more like the passion, you know? And eventually it's like, as I'm sure, you know, you know, the older you get, the more responsibilities you have, your passions start to take a back burner to necessity. But luckily for me, my necessity was gigging acoustically and making money that way. So I still got to be a, a gigging musician, but a lot of my electric stuff ended up taking a seat in the, or taking a back seat, unfortunately. Yeah, I know when recently, uh, I guess back to Sneaky Gene for mm -hmm. a minute, you did have a reunion yeah. show at Estable Festival, mm -hmm. um, which looked like it went really well. I was really sad that I couldn't go, mm -hmm. but it was seeing the pictures with you strapped with a, an electric guitar. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, that looks weird. A lot of people <laughs> said that. It's so fun. And a lot of friends that like I have now, I didn't know back then, uh -huh. were like, I didn't even know you, you, you could, could do that. Yeah. You know, it's like, that used to be the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for mm -hmm. for you, that was yeah. the, you know that's what Sneaky Gene was, it, and he played electric. And... It felt really good, and I think that I'm going to be really trying to make a more priority to start playing electric again. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. you could always throw that into if you ever you know decide to put out um, some some original mm -hmm. releases of yourself to throw in some electric guitar mixed in with your yeah definitely acoustic, you know? i've got um you know some recording software at home and it's just been hard as like you know with the little kids yeah every time i try to play at home like somebody <laughs> comes and yanks the guitar out of my hand <laughs> yeah or they they pull a chord out or, right you know yeah there was uh there's been times where i'm I'm down here recording a podcast mm -hmm. and my, my son will come down if he's here you mm -hmm. know and so yeah that's <laughs> yeah but we're making more of a, a priority it's uh my my partner alicia and i have been playing together more so she's been uh you know learning and and she's been playing and singing a lot more and i've been kind of been trying to to teach her some things and we finally like made a situation where like the baby's out of the bed because it was breastfeeding and uh -huh. so now like we have them on one side of the house and we can finally play again at night it's like the first time in like three years we've been able to play at home so it's been great so expect a lot more you know videos and recordings and writing and stuff that i haven't really been able to do for the last few years did she just start picking up music from you or, or was she, she, already, already, played. she yeah, already played yeah she, she already okay. played uh she's a fantastic visual artist oh uh, but she just started um you know really trying to get more into her music and playing guitar so okay that's a it's like, that's what we do now when the kids go to bed. It's great. <laughs> that's so cool. Mm -hmm. So going back to, I know we're jumping around all yeah, over sure. the place, which happens, but going back to, you know, your, your, your gigging as a, a solo artist, mm -hmm. you're playing uh, as much as you possibly can. And, and you're also, and that's probably around the time that you started teaching as well. I started, yeah, probably. I started teaching uh, in my early 20s and it was just out of my apartment at the time, you know, and I probably had, you know, a handful of students. And uh, it, I, the first actual studio teaching gig I got was while I was down uh, in Charleston. It was a sound source music in Mattoon. And I loved that job. I always uh, held off from trying to get a job at a studio because then you pay a studio fee, yes. you know, it's easier to try to just kind of hustle and do it on your own. Um, well, not, not easier, but you know, you end up getting a little bit more money in the well, end. Well, it's, it's a, uh, it's like anything else. Mm -hmm. There's pros and cons to right. it. Right. You know, but as you know, more the kids started coming and started getting harder to do at my house. And I finally, you know, gave in and was like, all right, I'll go work at the studio. And <laughs> I'm so glad I did. So it was, it was so much easier because they got me the students, you know, they did the legwork for me. See, that's the plus. Uh, that's right. the plus of of working with some under someone else. I, I felt so for stupid you. for holding off on doing it for so long. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then one of the the best things uh, was they had a uh, like a, a rock band program there. So you know, I was uh, teaching like groups of teenagers. You know, as I was basically like Jack Black from School of Rock, <laughs> and like we're playing like Black Sabbath, you know, and all these songs. It was great. Watch it. A couple of those kids, yeah, I taught you know them how to play their first note on the guitar. Then a couple of years later, you know, they're like rocking like you know Black Sabbath and Metallica. And you know, what, so. what was your first? By the way, was it like Smoke on the Water? Prob Cause, probably, because yeah. I know that I remember for myself. <laughs> uh -huh. I think, if I'm not mistaken, 
I think smoke on the water was the first. I think what is it about thing? that? I mean, did because it, it's really easy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's just like a standard that I guess that's what we all learned. So I mean, it's one of the first songs I teach. You know. Yeah, I think it's just because it's so. It was either smoke on the water or it was a it was a blank uh, 182 song or a Green Day mm-hmm. song. Uh, one of those three, but it might have been smoke on the water. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just the wow, wow, wow. One string. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's just it's kind of like a scale. Mm-hmm. It just goes down, and yeah, yeah, so. yeah. My dad showed me. He was my first guitar teacher. My dad, and that's kind of all the the way he started me off. You know, so I guess I kind of teach that method that I learned when I was a kid. So. So you you must have picked it up from your dad then. Was mm-hmm. your mom a musician too? Yeah, she's a drummer. Really? Yeah, yeah. They uh, so they're both music majors, and uh, they met in the James Dutton band. Uh, James Dutton, he was the percussion arranger for Count Basie, and uh, wow, was, that's yeah. that's uh, that's big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he and he took uh, basically like college kids, you know, and they uh, performed like jazz fusion versions of like pop hits you know but he was a uh, percussion player so he did marimba my mom did marimba and drums and stuff and so like instead of vocal it would be all instrumental and the, the marimba would be doing the the vocal melodies and so they they you know toured the country for years doing that before they you know settled down and started teaching and had kids and that's so cool yeah yeah so it's you know i grew up in music my sister you know also teaches at king and my dad still teaches you know so it's just kind of didn't really have a choice in the matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your mom being a drummer at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, there's there's more and more like female mm-hmm. uh, percussionists and, and drummers. I feel like now than there were yeah. like when your mom was probably doing it. So it's it's just cool to hear that she had done that. I think that's a kind of a good summation of her personality too. <laughs> is it? Of, Why is that? Just just a little fiery break in the mode. You know. <laughs> Breaking the mold, I mean, but yeah, yeah, she, uh, she was, was she like on you about music or or things like that? I thought you were gonna say about time. Uh, well, that's t- time too, time too. Yeah, <laughs> far to the floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I I wouldn't say that either one of them really on me, you uh-huh. know, and th- they never like forced it on me either, you know. It's just okay. something that I wanted to learn on my own. Yeah, you know, and. Uh, it, it was always really chill. You know, it's all, if you want to play, play. If you don't, they never tried to push me into being a gigging musician. I think they'd always kind of like try to steer me away from that a little bit. Like, you know, you're going to end up in a ditch. <laughs> they never said that. I'm just joking. But, <laughs> Did, but, mm-hmm. but they themselves, I mean, they were mm-hmm. technically gigging musicians in one way or another. Right, right. That you look at it. Mm-hmm. But that was probably a little more elaborate. Right. You know, than... It was probably the way mm-hmm. that that you and I have mm-hmm. gigged. You they know? they have always supported me in doing it. You know, it's even if their you know original idea was maybe you should be like an eye doctor, <laughs> but, but <laughs> doctor. <laughs> or something. You know, but they've they've always been super supportive. And and you know the the one thing I always appreciated just because they know uh, what it's like. You know, they'd always be like, "How was your job tonight?" You know, it's a, like the dialogue they would use. They would you know, like, say you got, that. Todd's got a job tonight, you know. They would, a- instead right. of asking how your show was well, or how, how was your, your little, How was your little music thing? <laughs> <laughs> That's what my grandparents yeah. ask. How was your little music thing? Right. Or, or I guess the, they'll they'll say they'll say gig. Right. You know, but gig or show is usually, mm-hmm. you know. it, it that, That's something else, too, and I'm sure you notice it, is you know... When a person uses show mm-hmm. or gig, right, that they're either a musician themselves or they work somewhere in right. the industry, exactly. Versus to where someone will say concert, yeah, and the person that uses <laughs> concert, you know, that they're they're not within like the industry, right? Of, because everyone, like everyone I know, it, it's always a show. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to the show. I got a show tonight. Mm-hmm. Like show, show but but uh, like He's someone gotta... that just goes to a a, a show, mm-hmm. a fan, will just say, yeah, I'm going to a concert right. tonight. And How I'm... was your concert at No Dogs? <laughs> yeah, right? That's like, <laughs> what? It just, I don't know. It always sounded so weird hearing concert. Right. And I guess when I when I think of a concert, I think of like, you know, United Center, like, mm-hmm. you know, 
40 or well actually i think it's 50 or 60 thousand or whatever the right. cap is there, I, would, right? I would someday like to play a concert <laughs> right that's, i think that's always the goal you know this is always to play yeah, a concert we can make it to concert level yeah i just always felt like concert level was when it's like thousands upon thousands of people mm-hmm. is like a concert other than that it's always just like a show right you know but that's just that's just one of the you know, it's just the lingo i guess mm-hmm. you'd say but um so you know you're you're playing a ton of solo gigs, mm-hmm. um, and this is you know early last decade. You you you, know, you got fired from Lowe's. You start <laughs> you start you know teaching more. What is something that you? How do you start your students off when you're teaching guitar? What is something that you kind of do to set them up for success? Um, it usually. It just depends on where they're at when they start. You know, I, I think that teaching is so dynamic. You know, you need to find out not only like what skill level they're starting off on, but what is their learning style? You know, what you, and you have to tailor each lesson to each student's individual learning style. You know, just even from the way that you t- talk to them, speak to them. It's so interesting teaching private lessons because I might have like, you know, a six-year-old girl come in on ukulele and then a six-year-old man come in that always wanted to learn guitar. And the way that I'm going to approach them and speak to them is going to be very different from one half hour to the next, right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to, the old guy playing guitar is something very good. <laughs> very yeah. good, sweetie. <laughs> right. It but, sounds so good. <laughs> I mean, you could. Right. And if really the little girl, I'm going to be like, you're flat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you suck. That sounds horrible. That's called motivation. <laughs> You're really, uh, you know, shooting it up there. Right. So really, so I just kind of try to see where they're at with it. And, you know, when when they're fresh, you know, and, and they don't have any experience, then I'll start them with those like one chord or one note songs, things like that. I really get their fingers moving around, you know. Um, and if they've had a little experience, I just kind of see where they're at. And you tell me where you want to go, you know, I'll, I'll do my. And a lot of times it's, you know, they come in, what kind of music do you listen to? I don't know. But, you know, then I kind of, you know, take my own lead and then they're all going to end up playing like War Pigs. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're obviously not going to, uh, you know, put upon, well, we're going to listen to Todd Hazelrig today. Yeah. Or, or we're, you know, we're, uh, you know, singer songwriter type mm-hmm. music, acoustic music. That's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, even though they're like, oh, no, I. I love Metallica. That's right. like my favorite band. Right, right. If you love Metallica, <laughs> then we're gonna play some Metallica because that's yeah. your passion. That's when you're gonna where you're gonna go. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember um, my first one that I love. I think I was in fourth grade, and uh, my mom was a teacher at the school I went to, and I broke my ankle, so I couldn't go out for recess. And so I went down to her lunch, and the eighth graders were down there eating lunch. You know, down in, in the basement room she taught in. And she was letting them play music, you know, during lunch and smells like teen spirit came on, you know, and that riff was just like so cool and so clean. I just remember being like nine and just being like, oh, this is what cool sounds like. And then from that moment on, I was like ripped jeans and flannels, you know, and like I I think I started like my angst at 10 (laughs) and it was just grunge from there, you know, and that was really, really like grunge and alternative music is, is what really I was into what I loved when I was a kid, you know, and that eventually kind of, you know, uh, developed into like blues and then like more maturity, like with jazz fusion and, and things like that. And, but it all, it all started there with, with that, you know, that grunge element. And I love that I learned that first because it's got so much energy, you know, you don't really have to know a lot about what you're doing besides doing a few power chords. I feel like I learned energy first, you know, I learned performing first, you know, and, and just like that, that snap and, uh, the, all the technical prowess and all, all the really hard work on theory and things, you know, came after that. Um, and I feel like a lot of people do that the, the other way, you know, that you start off and I'm not saying one way is better than another. I just like the, the way I learned it. I liked for me, I like that. I didn't really know what I was doing for a long time. And I was just going up and like, really just like letting it hang out. And then got to go back and start connecting the dots, you know, after I was already, a, you know, a performer, if you will. I mean, that's the that's like the rock and roll mm-hmm. attitude. Right? right. It's just like do your thing and just go wild mm-hmm. kind of deal. Right. And it's funny you 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 bring it up that way, because I always felt like 
I wish I would have learned. I wish I would have started on an acoustic mm -hmm. and learned all the theory mm -hmm. and then learned the more loose rock and roll sure, yeah. later. I think it's just because those around me, maybe that's what they did. And mm -hmm. I feel like I've just, I would have felt better. And still to this day, I'm mm -hmm. theory is, is out the window. I'm not very good. I with love, theory. love that. I'm a huge nerd when it comes to theory. Um, I studied for, I didn't finish my degree, but I studied for a little bit at EIU, you know, doing music theory. And, um, uh, it's, it's amazing to know theory and you should know theory. But it also takes a lot of real hard work and dedication to sit there and do that and to run modes and arpeggios, you know, just over and over and over again. And so my fear with my students is always they're going to get bored, you know, unless that's what they come to me saying that they want to learn. So it's sometimes I like to let them fall in love with their instrument first, you know, and then once they're in love with their instrument, then they crave that theory. That's true. And they want to work hard and practice it. That's that's a great way to go mm -hmm. about it i would say that's th that's when i've wanted to learn more too. learn mm -hmm. more chords right or yeah. actually learn some new notes mm -hmm. or actually learn their names yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like like i said my my theory is horrible mm -hmm. when it comes to guitar mm -hmm. you know but i just i always felt like i i guess i i should be your perspective on learning kind of backwards mm -hmm. is how I learned. And I guess it really wasn't that bad, mm -hmm. you know? Oh yeah, you had I fun, should... right? Yeah. And I'm still, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. It's just, um, I guess I've always thought the opposite, but hearing the way you just put it, mm -hmm. I feel a little better. Sure, now. sure. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it might, that might work for somebody else, you know? it's a, That's why I think it's just so important to kind of let, you know, the student set the path. And then you facilitate that path and help them along it, you know. And with with it reminds me of a, a meme I saw not that long ago about, and I'm sure you've seen it too. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like showing, I forget who it's showing, but it's showing someone being very fearful, and it's like guitar players in theory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, I know what it was. It was uh, from the original Spider-Man movie mm -hmm. where they're fighting in the cage. Yeah, yeah, I have seen That's that. Where, <laughs> yeah, and Spider-Man is is up on the uh on the cage and mm -hmm. the wrestler is in the ring mm -hmm. and it's like the wrestler is the uh music theory and spider-man <laughs> is the guitar player it's kind of like that it really you know it is uh i didn't start i mean i really started learning a lot of theory you know when, when we were playing with sneaky gene and we got really into like jam bands you know we got really into like fish and the grateful dead and like these 20 minute guitar solos you know and I started listening to all these bands and I was just like, what are they doing? Like, that doesn't sound like a pentatonic scale, you know? So I started really getting into it then. And then when I went to to school, you know, that really just opened, opened up a door. Uh, you know, my, my professor, Scott Hesse, my guitar teacher, he just showed me so much in so little time, just like packed it in. And I'm still processing like years later, everything, you know, that that he showed me. Um, you know, and I still don't have it all down, <laughs> you know, I'm still working on it, you know, so there's, there's just, um, it's a whole science really, you know, there's, there's just, um, once you start connecting the dots and seeing how things work, you know, you can really like, I could sit down on a mandolin and figure out how to play, you know, I'm not very like proficient on mandolin because I don't really play it very often. But give me a couple hours and I'll play that mandolin, you know, because I know music theory. I know how it, it all connects, even though it's a different tuning, you know, same with a little bit of piano, you know, which is really just the best way to learn because everything is just laid out in front of you. You know, everything's spread out. You can look at it. You can see the half steps, the whole steps, you know, from the white keys to the black key. And then you realize that guitar is just stupid. It's the stupidest instrument. It's like everything is just like like jumbled up. There's no like those crazy chords, right? That you, like you have to put your finger here, and then your pinky needs right. to be like, like pinky's crossing you know, your pointer, and you're yeah, a pretzel with your fingers. Yeah, it's, you don't do that on piano. On no, piano, you know, you, you just like spread your fingers a little more. You know, yeah. So it's is is that why it's it's been a tradition for so long for young kids to their first instrument to be piano yeah i, I don't, think so because yeah. of it being 
visually laid out in front of you? And- I do. Uh, I even recommend, you know, in like early when I, I started, a lot of kids start around, you know, like first grade or so. And yeah, I usually recommend I actually start with the ukulele, you know, before going right to the guitar because uh, guitar is hard. You know, it's it's hard to push down on to do the chords and you really have to get past that first month of busting your fingers up and doing, you know, and it's it's so rewarding once you do. You know, I would never turn anyone away from playing guitar. And if they say, ah, I really want to learn the guitar, but it's, yeah, come on in then we'll we'll play guitar. But I would always recommend like maybe first just kind of start off on that ukulele with a young kid. Let their fingers really get used to the strings. The chords are easier to play. Yeah, there's know? only four strings. And, and then segue into the guitar after that. And it's the same thing with the piano. You know, if you really want to get um, just a little bit of a musical background and you're a, you're a young kid, you have a hard time gripping strings, the piano is easy to press. Everything's laid out in front of you. And you'll still get a good musical background, you know, to transition then into the guitar. I've, 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 I've heard people say you learn piano and guitar is a lot easier. I don't know if that's true or not, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you learn pianos and guitars a lot easier than other instruments? No, I've just heard if you know piano, mm. guitar oh, okay, is, gotcha. is yep. easier to. Probably. You know, I don't I, know if that, mm, like I said, I don't know if that's true or I not. I started with guitar, but I, I feel like if you get any kind of musical background, it's always easier to transition you know, past that with it with anything. So I, w- I would go ahead and say that is probably true. Yeah. And mm-hmm. obviously actually knowing your music theory mm-hmm. helps, you know, mm-hmm. I'll just have to have you teach me all the music theory that sure. you know. Yeah. Well, I started uh, <laughs> King Music next Thursday. I don't know when this is going to air, yes. but October uh, this 7th. is going to be up this week. Okay, cool. Uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Um, but yeah, that's right. You're you're going back to working with yeah. the studio because you were working uh, on your own once again. Well, actually, this, so, right? so actually like total curveball, I've been working on a vegetable farm. Oh, okay. yeah. So, so I, that's mm-hmm. something I wondered if you had actually been working another mm-hmm. job on top of all your shows and, mm-hmm. and guitar. Lessons. Yeah, I've done, I've done like on and off things you know like i for a few years ago i sold cars for like six months and i hated it so i quit and then that uh, doesn't sound like a very musician no it was it wasn't (laughs) nothing against a car salesman by any means but yeah it was such a different animal right it wasn't for me and then um you know i've done uh, this farming gig you know for you know last five years on and off but it's it's in watsika you know so i moved and um it's a uh, gray farms. It's a small organic vegetable farm. Uh, Marty gray, the owner is a, a really great drummer himself. Uh, his wife, crystal gray is a, is a yoga teacher in town and you know, they're both very cool people. It's, I've always loved, you know, working with them and they've always taken me on, even if it's just for like, I got a gig on Friday in Kankakee. Can I come work Friday morning at the farm, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, we've been doing that and I was really excited to get back, uh, this year and work full time for them on the farm. It's just, uh, it's a great lifestyle, like just feeling healthy, you know, eating right and living my best life. Um, but, you know, it's a seasonal kind of thing, you know, so uh, I'm, I'm going to get back into like full time teaching and, and gigging here now with for the, the cold season. And I was doing um, before that, uh, like when COVID hit, uh, I really started doing a lot more Zoom lessons, too. You know, as we started, we had to go to Zoom for the studio, obviously, for a while and that just made me realize like, oh, wait, I never even thought about that. I didn't even know Zoom, but Zoom was until I think <laughs> no, a lot I, of people did. Yeah, I uh, honestly, I thought Zoom was just a re- like the recorder, recorder yeah, that we're using yeah. right now. And so people are talking about Zoom. I'm like, oh, that's uh-huh. a, it's an, a live internet chat thing. Yeah. Like I thought that was just a recorder. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it was such an interesting time to be a musician, you know, when, when COVID started. Um you know, cause I was teaching and gigging at the time and, you know, things are going totally normal. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you got to teach online and all your gigs are gone, you know? So, uh, the transition, you know, I, it, I don't even want to say it was rocky. It really wasn't, you know, um, because there's a way to teach online. It's kind of nice, especially you can share your screen and people can look at tabs and you can talk through it and all. Uh, I don't think that anything really replaces that like one-on-one in the room together. I can count and yeah, you know, keep you in time. Yeah. But the and Zoom you can lessons, feel, yeah. you can feel each other's energy. They really weren't bad. And so I started taking on a bunch of Zoom students and I even started doing uh, online theory classes. 
And so I would get like, you know, five people together in one class and I, we, I would just go for 40 minutes because I didn't want to pay for Zoom. So, <laughs> so we'd, there'd be a 40 minute, you know, class basically on, on music theory, you know, focusing on, you know, modes and, you know, arpeggios and things that a lot of guitar players, uh, you know, it's like their next step. You know, once they want to start learning theory, triads and things like that probably means nothing to a lot of the <laughs> listeners, but that's what, yeah, <laughs> what is that? But that's what it was about. And, uh, so I started doing that. And then when we moved, uh, we moved here and we, we live out in the country and our internet's so bad that I just ended up stopping doing the online lessons cause it was too much lag. So, but I was, we were in the throes of the farming season and I was busy and it kind of, you know, worked out better that way. Cause I wanted to spend more of my evenings with my family at that point. You know? Yeah. So um it's been a really nice few months you know just kind of having this like escape from my normal you know and going into farming and uh it, it was easy to i mean uh during covid I, I hardly gigged you know i played a few outdoor gigs here and there and it was honestly so nice really you know because i was just so i was burnt out from doing so much and at the time you know my my son was born you know during the pandemic and my daughter was like two at the time and um uh, Alicia, my partner, she started taking up uh, commissions, you know, doing portrait work. And I I think it was just because people were at home and didn't have things to spend their money on is like our hypothesis. But her portrait business just blew up. You know, I think that people needed something nice, you know, yeah. something to feel good. And so, you know, she draws a lot of deceased family members, you know, people's kids and dogs, you know, so a lot of um, a lot of good gifts like that. Alicia Post Art, you know, online, if you look her up. Uh, and so she pretty much just like saved the family with her drawing dogs like for, for a year, you know? Wow. It was awesome. Yeah. And I just pretty much spent that time just like with our daughter, you know, hanging out. I was just watching the kids and then my son, you know, he's born and, uh, and then my oldest son out in Charleston and, uh, you know, so I would, just, I would spend time with the kids and it was just a nice break. I teach a few online classes at night and I feel like it really just helped me fall in love with performing again you know, from taking a break. And then the same when I came out here, uh, I've been gigging more, but, you know, I've been primarily like working on the farm, you know? So now I feel like there's just like a new, you know, you know, a new thing on the horizon to where the gigs are starting to come back, like the teaching's coming back. And I feel like revigorated, you know. It's in, a new all, era. Yeah. It's a new era for mm -hmm. you. Exactly. And that's that's so refreshing to hear mm -hmm. that, you know, the pandemic, while awful, was right. was good yeah. in some respects. Yeah, that's what I say. Obviously, you know, like I, you know, if I go back in time and make this the whole thing not happen, you know, obviously, like it's the the terrible, you know, things that have come out of this, like outweigh, you know, anything good. But you always got to find like the silver lining, you know, it's like I did have an opportunity, you know, to spend more time at home and realize that I need to be home more. I need to be with my family, you know? And so, you know, from, you know, out of the the dark clouds, you know, there comes that little bit of light, you know? Yeah. Mm. So you're back to, or you're, well, not back, because you've never taught with King Music no, before. No, no, yeah, so this will be new. This will be new. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if people want to get lessons mm -hmm. with Todd Hazelrig, they can do that. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can call King or you can, if, you know, you know me, personally or you know you're you know me on facebook or whatever you can message me or call me or or just call the store you know it's probably the easiest thing yeah. to do for and a they, stranger yeah right and because they have your what your availability yes. and, all, uh -huh. and all of that stuff mm -hmm. um and then as far as what shows you got do you have any shows coming yeah up? uh so this will this be released before the ninth you think yes okay so october 9th uh at the bourbon a sportsman's club i'm i'm uh helping coordinate the entertainment uh there's a benefit um it's for ethan huntley um he's i believe 10 and he has an aggressive form of muscular dystrophy um and he's going to need a wheelchair and a van uh it's a very close family friend you know I, that's um all you know holidays birthdays you know everything all our kids play together and you know it's just like their, their family's like family to me um, it would mean so much to me if you guys could come out October 9th. It's at the Bourbon A Sportsman's Club. Uh, we're doing the music there from 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, we've got Matt Shipley, Neil Beeson, Ryan Leggett, uh, Chris Yurt, Caleb Penley, Dakota Donaldson, uh, the band The Simpsons are going to be playing. Uh, just a really great uh, lineup of music. Um, 
And then they've got like, I believe, bounce houses and lots of things for kids. I was gonna say, yeah, they gotta and, have all yeah, that stuff too. Lots of good, great, great for the whole family. Um, so, and then they'll be doing obviously, you know, basket raffles and things like that. I believe it's a ten dollar entry, uh, but it's just for for a really great cause for a really great family. So I, ho- I hope everybody you know can come out and, and check that out. October 9th at the Bourbon A Sportsman's Club. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, and then after that, um, I'll be at the Kenki Farmer's Market again, October 16th. Um, I think October is usually the last month for yeah. the Farmer's Market, Yeah, right? yeah. Just, so. just snuck it in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, uh, Saturday the 16th. Saturday the 16th, You'll yeah. be back out there. Mm-hmm. And okay. then I'll be playing uh, some electric stuff. Uh, I'll be, so I play with the band The Strips. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, I play electric guitar for that. And we'll be at uh, On the Rocks on October 30th. Uh, and then we got uh, the Strips have Black Wednesday at the library. So a few more electric, little, little acoustic, little electric stuff coming yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a, the holiday shows, I guess. Yeah. October sure. 30th will almost be like a Halloween show. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. It's yeah. funny. Uh, the last time uh, we did the Halloween show at On the Rocks, uh, the we always play with the band Biso and Friends. You yeah. Yeah. All the strips we dressed up like Biso and Friends for the show. <laughs> Did they dress up like the strips? I, well, they had a different gift. Unfortunately, we weren't sure of the bill that day. Yes, oh. were, but we were like sending them pictures and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I don't know what we'll dress up as this year. We'll see. I have to, have mm-hmm. to think. Yeah, it's already, you know, the mm-hmm. beginning of October. So I have to, to think, figure that one out soon, right? Mm-hmm. So awesome. Yeah. Um. And if it's cool, I would love for us, uh, or love to have you play a song for us right Absolutely, now. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, I, and, I, I sh- and I know you know this, because, mm-hmm. uh, and whoever, if you've listened to this episode or not, but, you know, a couple, a couple of months back, we had Lupe Carroll mm-hmm. on the podcast who wrote our theme song, and I had said on that episode that if Lupe would have turned me down mm-hmm. i would have turned to you right right and i'm like i feel bad saying that now uh, i no, hope it's okay i know it's like well sick. lupe did an amazing i don't think i could have done better with that i don't know song. Man, it was prob- amazing. honestly what i would have done mm-hmm. i probably because what i was thinking in my mind i was thinking of the the kankakee song mm-hmm. that you wrote some it, how old is that song and sometime in the last five 2016. years 2016 okay yeah. so yeah last five years because because that like kind of like went viral in yeah, our little yeah. local uh network that was shortly Facebook. after i moved down to charleston and i remember um i was uh i came home uh like the night before from like a local bar you know and i was like living by myself you know woke up the next day just like really feeling like just homesick for for you know what we have in in kankakee you know there's just such a camaraderie uh between you know every all the people and the musicians it really is just a hidden gem you know? And, uh, so I just, I wrote the song in like 30 minutes. I was in my pajamas, like didn't even change. I didn't think anything <laughs> of it. I was just like posted up on Facebook. Like, here's a song for my Kankakee friends, you know? And, yeah. and then it went, it went viral and I just like watched it all day get shared. I think it had something like 25,000 views and like thousands of shares. And, uh, one of the coolest things, cause it has the line, you know, I wish I was home in Kankakee. And I was going to click on like who shared it, you know, and I'm seeing all these people I don't know, like sharing it and their posts. And this one woman, like who obviously they had the same lamb name was obviously her husband, who was probably away for something. And I saw her share it to him and say, I wish that you were home in Kankakee. And it was just like, yeah, you know, it's so sweet. It was so touching, Um, you know, so that was like a really, really big deal for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know I was one of the people that shared that because that's when I had discovered you was that song one of my friends i think had shared it mm-hmm. so then i'd seen it and i at that time i was working on the midday show mm-hmm. on uh river country 1017 and 1037 so i was all about you know country-esque mm-hmm. songs and mm-hmm. that one came across i'm like that's awesome I just thought it was hey, thanks, it man. was perfect. Mm-hmm. So, but but what I was gonna say is, I probably would have if Lupe turned me down, I probably would have approached you and been like, "Hey, 
can can we use your can can, can I That's use awesome. your Kanky Keys song for <laughs> you know and it still could happen you know some point down the line yeah, we you're could always work out to some mm-hmm. you know I know uh, I'll have to work out a deal with your your manager your people sure probably be thousands upon thousands of dollars but maybe you know, I might cut yeah. you a deal for one grand <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> man all right making deals I like this um so anyway yeah wh- whatever song you want to play sure for us is to, I I'll mean, probably play that one. I mean, hyped it up so much. I, we can we can do that, or we can do another song. Sure. I mean, it's it's totally up to I'll, you. I'll do but the, I'll do uh, I'll do King Kiki. Okay, yeah. cool. Just a boy of eighteen when I sat down down the road. Never had a good friend or a place to call my own. But I bathed out in that river. It was rolling like a sea. Here I made my home in Kankakee. Darling, you've been wonderful to me And now I'm sitting in a new bar And you can surely see I wish that I was hoping Kankakee Now out with all my best friends We're standing ten feet tall We grew up together Some of us never grew up at all Funny how the town could turn Friends to family Wish that I was hoping Kankakee Kankakee Darling, you've been wonderful to me And now I'm sitting in a new bar And you can surely see Wish that I was hoping Kankakee glasses and drink onto the land. If you ain't got a bottle, go on and click your cans. I set out to be famous son in the land of Jameson. And only all my best friends were my fans. Kankakee, darling, you've been wonderful to me. And now I'm sitting in a new bar and you can surely see. Wish that I was home in Kankakee And now I'm sitting in a new bar And you can surely see Wish that I was home in Kankakee (laughs) Thank you, thank you Yeah, wonderful I love that song And and before we sat down uh, Before you came over Mm -hmm. And I was doing some prep I was trying to find that. I was like, maybe the song is on Spotify, but it's not. No, is it available anywhere? No, it's not. Only only on the uh, the infamous YouTube video. Oh, okay. And probably some other like live. Too. There, there's some live uh, videos and stuff of it too. You got to yeah, I got to get recorded that recorded. It, like if if I was the program director or a head honcho mm-hmm. at one of the local radio stations, I would make sure that you got that properly recorded, and I would literally put it into rotation on my radio station well, I'll without it re- without I'll get a it doubt. Recorded this summer for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a head honcho mm. at a local radio station. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> that's what I would do because I would want that, mm. especially like, I mean, you know, uh, the the station I do afternoons on the Valley ninety two point seven. I mean, we play the city of New Orleans mm-hmm. all the time, yeah. and we'll, we'll play the Willie Nelson version, we'll play the Arlo Guthrie version, and I always every time I play it. I'm like, we should be playing Todd Hazelrig's Kankakee song. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like a song that's all about Kankakee and doesn't just mention it, mm-hmm. uh, the city, you know, because obviously uh, that's that's why we we play the song yeah. is because it mentions Kankakee. I, I actually got to play uh, City of New Orleans on the BBC a few years ago. Really? Yeah, on BBC? Bill, Bill Yanka hooked it up. Oh, the, um, the train station the, the, show. The, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. It was now. what uh Great American Railroad Journeys. Oh wow. Yeah. And uh they were they were doing basically it's you know this um you know uh the host is a British guy and you know he comes to America and takes these railroad tours, you know, and talks about the little towns and stuff he stops on. They came to Kankakee and um you know they're talking about you know the city of new orleans song you know because it mentions it and so we uh uh 
you know, put a, put a band together and we played that song, you know, and played a few more and we played Kankakee and it didn't make the cut for the show, but oh, man. that's okay. Yeah. It, probably because they're looking for a song. That... Well, it made more sense with the flow of the show just to have us, the host walked in and we were playing the song and he was up on stage singing on my mic with me and mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. And it went out uh, to like 2.5 million viewers. Wow. But they didn't show it in the States. So, so I'm way more popular. You're, you're huge in, in the yeah, UK. I'm huge in the UK. Just huge. <laughs> All right, we're arranging a tour. I'll be your TM. I'll be your tour manager. Somebody needs for to the do UK it. Yeah. tour. I can do that. I've got a little bit experience being a, a TM. Not a lot, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I could I can do that for you. Awesome. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I completely forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that was so, a fun one. They probably, I'm honestly, they probably chose City of New Orleans just because of the. The, the national or mm-hmm. maybe global recognition mm-hmm. behind the song. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you got people like Willie Nelson playing their version of that song, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but yeah, Todd, any, anything else on, on music or teaching? Sure. Uh, well, you know, just since we're a Kankakee podcast, I just want to say, like I said earlier, like this town is just, an incredible like hidden gem of music in the Midwest, you know, and just from, you know, just the history, you know, of, of all the bands from like Spankakimi, you know, back of the day. And then I mentioned earlier, like JD and the fuzz and just like all the other like great musicians and bands that have come out of here. And it was just so awesome that I got to step into this scene, you know, and the, and the scene like embraced me like it did. And, I just, I feel really lucky, you know, to be able to, to come through here. Cause you know, you, and you know, a lot of musicians like they'll, they'll put on their Facebook wherever, like I'm Chicago, you know, like, cause that's the place that people recognize nearby, you know, yeah. but I've always stuck with Kankakee, always put cam. I will always say like, I am a Kankakee based musician, you know? <laughs> I have to be honest, I'm guilty of mm. of the times that I toured in my well, life. That makes more sense. I would I yeah. would say the, you know, we were from Chicago mm-hmm. because they don't know. Right. And, key, and, but... and you know, if I was going on like a giant tour like that, you know, maybe I would do the same. But <laughs> for for me though, it's like, you know, I I've I've always associated, you know, I've, I felt like my music has gone hand in hand with with Kankakee, you know. Um it was great uh I I got, you know, the opportunity you know, just from playing music festivals and things to to kind of be like the Kankakee guy, you know, for the touring Midwest bands, you know, it's like I would book a lot of bands out here when they're on tour, you know, and then return, they would book me in their place, you know, but it would always like, I'd be getting, you know, texts and messages, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm routing a band, you know, down through like from Chicago down through Southern Illinois, like we make a Kankakee stop, you know? And so for years I got to be you know, the Kankakee guy, you know, in that scene. And, you know, it's, I've never been able, you know, to feel anywhere else, you know, like as much as I am, even when I wasn't living here, like I still felt like the Kankakee guy, you know, which is how you ended up writing the song, right? The right. You know? song, and I feel, I've heard it from so many people too. It's like people move away, they come back and it's like something about this town that sucks you in, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Right? I know there's people that listen to this podcast mm-hmm. that live elsewhere, mm-hmm. but they grew up here in Kankakee so it's kind of a way for them to stay connected mm-hmm. I guess or yeah. just reminisce from their days mm-hmm. here their time here but yeah I agree there's just something something about Kankakee mm-hmm. so well Todd thank you so much for being on uh Kankakee podcast hey it's, thanks it's for been, having me man. been a real pleasure and I hope Hope we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. So. Yeah, hopefully I'll have the that song recorded <laughs> and you know we could use it for for other things in the yeah, future too. Yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, man, you got to do it. I will. I think that, that we're planning on doing a lot of recording uh now here for the cold season. I think that's that's been in the works. I've just had a hard time with the kids being it's little and everything, you know, and we try to do a little bit more like home recording stuff to save yeah. money and you know, on studios and Well, and mm-hmm. with um with what you're recording, it's mm-hmm. it's so easy to do that at yeah. home. It's not like you need the big thing is uh, having a some people might not know this, but drums are a very uh, hard thing mm-hmm. to record. Right. And a lot of times I know people that will do everything. They'll record, they'll record everything at home mm-hmm. except for the drums. Yeah. They'll go to an, an actual studio that has a proper, 
equipped room. Mm. And I'm not even talking about microphones. It's just the way the room is designed for mm. the acoustics and the sound because you can't mimic that in mm-hmm. every space. Right, so like right. people will rent a studio just to do the drums. Yeah, exactly. And they'll do everything yeah. else at home. We moved so. uh, our house now that we're living in. We just moved back, you know, and our house is a little bit bigger. We have more space to where I could leave a microphone out and a little person won't try to eat it, <laughs> smack my guitar and shock themselves on cables. So so the uh, now that the farm season's dying down uh recording is in the works it's in the it's in the plans awesome so that, yeah i please release uh, some type of original album or ep and you got my my full support awesome. on on pushing that Thank you know you. i'd be happy to to help support you on that awesome so all right todd well uh we'll talk to you again next time hey thanks man <laughs> all right that's it for this episode of kanky key podcast i'm jake lamore i truly hope to, you enjoyed listening today and if you want to go ahead and catch up on previous episodes please do so at kankakeepodcast.com or wherever it is that uh, you get your podcasts uh, if you can please drop us a positive rating and review on apple podcasts and follow us on social media facebook twitter and Instagram, sorry, uh, Facebook, you, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is at Kankakee Podcast. You can also sign up for our mailing list at KankakeePodcast.com. And you can, we have a Facebook group as well that you can join uh, if you want to talk a little bit more about your favorite episode or who you think should be on the podcast uh, coming up in the future or a certain topic or place that you think we should cover. Uh, our Facebook group is the perfect place to do that. And uh, as I mentioned, our theme song by Lupe Carroll.